would like to make some dedications this evening. So these are obviously people's individual aspirations or wishes for some of them expressing gratitude. So though these are personal, just the sense of empathizing with the sense of uh, concern and that is expressed in these. And uh, we pour the water and at the end of the evening we'll, we'll transfer the merit, which is a, an action of pouring the water and we do a transferring merit chant, which you'll find on page 27. That'll be our, our kind of finishing up, it's like wrapping up the day with that. But we'll start with, first of all, making the water offering and then um, offering our voices to the triple gem. So this is for Father Mitch Graham. Thank you for teaching me so much about freedom. Also for William O. Kobush, just non-specific salutations and well wishes. Please bless my daughter Serena and my ex-husband Jim, who have both broken my heart. I would never be here if it were not for them. And to Marianne, who is receiving chemo, her husband John, and my beloved Santi Deva, her son. Ham 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 di 
make a sound check. Can you hear me now? <laughs> okay. I, I'm not used to this mic, that's why. <laughs> um. Today I received a message with, which was saying, or with, which was questioning if I was just a shrine decoration. I'm not. <laughs> And I just like to say that people who know me know that I'm definitely not a wallflower. <laughs> and um, but thank you for your concerns. I'm here and uh, it was planned that I was start tonight to come in to the retreat with a re reflection. Um, Like, as we haven't had yet interviews, and so there was no opportunity really to check in with anybody individually, I just hope and wish that your retreat, your, the practice, is going well for everybody of you. And just a reminder, like, when you start again, really start from where you are, right now, again and again and again and again. And that is something we all do anyway, also outside of the retreat. It's like where we come back to where are we right now? What's happening right now? What's unfolding in the mind, in the body? Like this practice takes definitely a lot of patience, something that is a requirement for this. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Buddhist nun and I had lots of practice <laughs> with patience <laughs> in many different ways. And I think everybody who walks this path, everybody who is has a certain amount of determination for keeping up the practice 
needs a lot and a lot and a lot of patience and forbearance. This is where we have to come back to every time we see we are missing out. We are not hitting the point that we made for ourselves. What I like about the retreat so far is the teaching on softening, widening, and deepening. And for being able to do that, you do need a lot of patience. You need to come back to where I'm right now. What is unfolding here? What touched me yesterday evening very much was when Achan Suchito uh, spoke about softening the edges. It kind of really took me off, I think you say. It just brought up a lot of reflections in the mind. Like where it, where it took me to was the place of In a way, that is, that is the whole of the practice. Because if you really look deep into that, this is where, where you have to give up everything. There's nothing to hold on to anymore. And you soften the edges in terms of holding on to a few or a concept. What is left of that? And then what is there to hold on to? Like if I take myself as being in a certain way and I soften the edges of that, what is there actually that is left? And in a way, this is where the practice leads us again and again. 
to that point of touching what we don't know, touching that space that has no boundaries, that has no limitations and no edges. That space that is without a name, where what I conceive myself to be just dissolves. It's not there anymore, has no place in it. It's even ridiculous sometimes. And when I go there, and that was also what happened to me yesterday evening, when I really open up into that space, I do experience quite a lot of fear. It's frightening to go there. It's scary. And yet, I think for those of you who are already since a while on the on the path, you know this is where we are heading at, this is where we are going. The place where where we are the place where we are not. The place where we don't have to be anybody. Where having to be anything or anybody is not required. It's not it's not what is asked of. I recently read a poem from Mary Oliver which describes that very beautifully and it's just very short. I mean part of a poem. And it says, the dream of my life is to lie down by a slow river and stare at the light and trees, to learn something by being nothing for a little while but the the rich lands of attention. And this is where, I think this is where our practice brings us. Applying attention and by doing so, noticing that whatever I perceive myself to be dissolves and is not, in fact, is is just like a phantom or like a rainbow, something that is not real anyway.
And yet, I don't know if that is your experience too. When I open up towards that space, when I open up towards that place, what, what I do experience is that I can stay there only for a very short period of time. It's so vast. It's so... almost like shockingly empty and everything at the same time. It is as if you... like what my experience of yesterday evening was as if you open up to everything at the same time. As if you meet, there's the possibility to meet everything in one moment. It's like you are going into a place where there is no security, no safety net where all those agreements that you have made with life to to support, to to feel oh, to feel safe, to be somebody where that just disappears. It ha it has no foothold there. It just doesn't doesn't exist anymore. And I think for most of the us, this is a place that we try to avoid as long as we can. And I do um, myself too. I include myself in this. It feels like this is what we are aiming, f aiming for and yet it's the last place we want to be because we are not. And what is there if we are not? If what I perceive myself to be, if that disappears, what is left? What is there to discover? Something is left, but it doesn't quite have a name. It doesn't quite is part of our ordinary world or the world I'm, I'm living in usually where concepts and structures and um, discipline has a big space. All that can just disappear for a moment. And when, when I go there, when I, when I do experience that, I feel scared and I want to turn around immediately <laughs> and go back to where, where it's safe. And this is what the mind does. It comes in with 
It comes in with concepts, it comes in with explanations, it comes in with creating just another self again as soon as possible. Because to stay there, to, to be in that place is the last thing most of us want to be, I guess. And I'm not sure if this at all makes sense to anybody here, but I just this was just something that came for me up yesterday evening, and it took me. I felt like I, as if I'm entering a country I recognized, and yet I did not remember when I had been there before. Something that almost like something that my heart knew from the yearning that is in there. The yearning for there's something more in this life. There is something to be discovered. There is something deeper to be going to be understood. And for a long time this yearning I did understand as a yearning for a relationship. And it is a, re a yearning for a relationship. But I think it's the yearning for a relationship with the unknown. It's a yearning for being almost dissolving into the unknown. It's a yearning for not having to be anymore anything in particular. And yet by, by doing so, I think we, we are all, we are giving up this individual concepts, predicaments, perceptions, and by doing so we are entering a space that is completely other and yet it, it holds everything possible, everything, I don't want to say thinkable <laughs> because it's not, it's not like that. It's where the pain of, of separation can completely fade. It doesn't have a place. What I notice when I don't soften 
DHS when I'm not going there is that I have at least 150 kinds of selves that can appear at any time, any situation. Usually they are, they are quite particular. They fit in, in a nice square drawer or, or box. <laughs> it's Systemata who is taking care of, I mean, whatever, <laughs> of the emails. <laughs> they are Systemata who is relating to the guests. Systemata who is uh, in a business meeting, for example. So I hope it makes it clear that, and being that, being this systemata so and so, whatever systemata of these 150 or more even, once I am, when I go there, I feel completely safe. I feel completely at ease because I do know it. I've been going there many times and sometimes I'm tired of it because I know it's not really what I am or what I, I it's hard, v words in this regard are very hard to use because anyway I'm talking about we are not. I'm talking about the, the concepts that we create to convince ourselves that we are. And with a simple sentence from 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 Ajahn Suchito yesterday, it just kind of broke through that. Seeing that I constantly create and create and create and create. And even sitting here in the Dhamma Hall, I'm creating myself as the practitioner and whether as the good one or the bad one or the one who has patience, the one that has a lot of matter, the one that is absolutely frustrated and all that and the one who has lots of pain in the knees and whatever it is, it's all there and yet it's just a creation of the mind and it happens constantly. It's going on constantly, again and again. And sometimes I can't hear my thoughts anymore because I'm fed up with them. I've heard them too many times. Same things again and again. And just finding means of how can I stop the repetition of the tapes, the repetition of the, the wheel. And sometimes, and I, why I'm telling you all this is, I want to encourage you, see if you find something that helps you, at least for just for a moment, to look through. To look through this illusion, to look through the, the, the repetition, the, the I think, pair, situation is that a word is that an english word <laughs> like when you repeat perpetuation yeah so where we where we con constantly almost it is like we are constantly engaging ourselves not to wake up from the dream that we are in 
Because the dream is so comfortable, even if it is painful, even if it is absolutely ridiculous, elusive, nonsense. As long as it is something I can hold on to, I'm happy with it. And even if I suffer a lot, I'm happy with my suffering because I know it. And it's so comfortable. Even so, it's painful. And maybe you all are in a completely different place than I am. I'm just sharing from, <laughs> from my own experience here. And when I, when I come to a retreat, I, I'm really, I want to spend my time finding means of looking through the dreams of samsara, the dreams and the illusions that keep me walking in the wheel again and again, another round. I know this already, okay, another round. Like, how much does it take to stop and to, t and to step out? What do we need to be able to do that? What do you need to be able to do that? We might not have the same answers to it. I don't know an, an answer that is right for everybody and I don't want to pretend I do. But I think what this time here offers to us is the opportunity to look into where do I repeat again? Where and when and how do I create? Creating myself, creating the other, creating the world around myself. A lot comes in with that with expectations. How I'm expecting a situation to unfold. By doing so, that is already, it's already a step into the situation. And I expect something to be difficult, to be uh, rather confronting. By, just by this expectation, I'm already starting to create a field that I'm going to enter. Even so, I definitely I don't like difficult situations at all. But I think we all, we all know that very well. And this constant creating Why? I mean, I'm asking you individually, and just take, take a moment to look into that. It's like, why? Why do you do that? And I'm sure you find many reasons for it. What is it that 
that brings us again and again to the point where we choose instead of waking up to continue the dream. What is so safe about this dream? Is there anything that is pleasant in it? What helps us to wake up? What helps us to step out of this? The answer for me is that I find it helpful to be in a situation where I don't have to be anybody, where just being is enough, or even letting be is enough, where whatever comes up I can see it and I don't need to identify, I don't need to justify, I don't need to present a certain kind of self that might come out of that. I'm free just to watch the rising of a possibility where I don't need to hold on to it, where I don't need to identify, engage, or be something with it. Where there's the space to allow it to come up, to pass through the mind and to cease. For me, this, uh, there are lots of opportunity on a retreat like this because constantly something gets thrown up in the mind, an idea, a concept, a possibility of what could happen or not happen and how I would relate to that. And just seeing this is, this is how the mind works. There's, let's say there is a sound or there is a sight, there is a taste, there is a smell, anything, any sense experience. And the immediate movement is to identify with it, to own it. That reminds me of this. Or I know that from, from this occasion. And instead of engaging in that way, just going to the space where you can see the arising of it, like say you can see the arising of a sound and you can see or even you can listen to how the sense of self wants to relate to it by 
liking it, disliking it, by bringing in any intentions, any perceptions about it. And if we can use that situation as a possibility to see, okay, what kind of sense of self comes in with that? And how can I soften the edges here? How can I mellow that sense of self that's not necessary at all? When I'm sitting here, if I relate to it in that way or not, it doesn't matter at all. So how, how can I allow it to be without identifying doesn't quite catch the whole of it, without being that? without becoming that, that movement towards it, that movement of owning it, of, of becoming that. I hope that makes sense. For me, the time, the space, and the openness of a 10-day retreat there's a lot of opportunity to work in that way. And when you find yourself again and again in similar situations or in, in similar scenarios, really, as I said in the beginning of the reflection, see if you can be patient with yourself. See if you can be tolerant with, with the one that is not yet ready to give up, with the one that still needs to, needs to do another round, needs to do another repetition. I'm not, I don't want to encourage you to repeat, but, but kind of more like, it's almost like those of you are mother or father, like when, when you see your child is doing, it, it even knows it shouldn't do that. <laughs> but it, anyway, and it knows it doesn't, is not good for it, but it still wants to do it and it still tries to do it again. It's like how you relate to your child. It's just kind of, if it does want to do something that is really dangerous, then, then you would take care. You would, not, you would not punish your child because it's doing that. You would try to explain, look, no, don't go there. It's not good. Go here. Don't do that. You hurt yourself. And this is how we, how we, with patience, how we can relate to these situations that are coming up. And being tolerant enough to understand that we are maybe not yet there where we would like to be or where other people are. And that that is perfectly okay. Everything that we have been experiencing so far 
has been bringing us here. And after all, that's not too bad. <laughs> Spending 10 days on a retreat to look inside, to look what is unfolding internally, and having, having the time and the space to, to be with that. I don't think many people really choose their free time to spend in that way. So I think it's also an opportunity to be grateful towards ourselves that we actually have been choosing to do that. Because what we do see is not always so nice and beautiful and blissful. There are, these parts are there too and they are important because they also hold on, hold us on the path. But being with ignorance, being with aversion, being with greediness, it's humbling. For me it is. <laughs> I don't know for you. But for me it is. When I do see those parts that I usually turn away from, that I find myself not wanting to look into, where I'm self-righteous, where I'm stupid, where I don't want to see the truth. In a place like this, at a time like this, there's a lot of opportunity to look into that. And by doing so, by really looking into those corners that usually don't get a lot of attention, we actually clear them out. This is the way of purifying those bits that are mm, very edgy, that are maybe a little bit um, smelly, <laughs> that are maybe quite some ugly. Taking the time to, to be with that, without, I don't want to say even without judgment, because most of us can't be completely without judgment with that, but with as little judgment as possible, with a soft edge to it, widening, deepening. Deepening means we really look into those bits that are there, that need attention. And sometimes it's also like in the beginning. They might not look so beautiful. They might even look ugly. But if I look deeper into it, 
I see there is something underneath the surface that's worthwhile. Worthwhile, like almost discovering. I just try to find, to think of an example for that. It's like when I look at, for example, when I look at jealousy, what is there? Jealousy is something nobody likes to <laughs> likes to admit, as far as I know. I don't like to admit that. <laughs> and it looks very ugly. It has a very ugly face because I want to have what you have. You shouldn't have it. I should have that. And to me, that looks very ugly because I don't wish you well. When I look deeper... And I look, what is actually underneath there? There's, there's something that needs to be met. There's something that needs acknowledgement. There's something that needs to be seen that hasn't been taken in, that hasn't been experienced or that hasn't had the space to live. And looking deeper you will most likely see that that depth of understanding, that depth of acknowledgement you are the only one who can give it. Nobody else in the world will be able to satisfy that. We so often get lost in experiencing or hoping to get what we need and we f to find what we need out there in another person, in another situation, in another monastery <laughs> for me. And yet the only place where we find, where we can find what is necessary is inside. It's all here. It just needs to be seen. It needs to be discovered. And it's so easy to forget that again and again. I do. <laughs> and having a time like this reminds me of what is possible. If I just look into it, if I stop turning away from what is maybe painful, 
what is embarrassing. Also, even from what is beautiful. If I would have to acknowledge to somebody else what I find beautiful about myself, (laughs) I would find that most difficult. And I think I want to include that too. Spend some time these days and look what is beautiful about you. What do you really appreciate about yourself? What do you know you have developed and that works for you? I find much more easily what I don't agree with, what I feel still needs a lot of attention, a lot of work. But there are also bits that are that are already quite beautiful. And can we can we acknowledge those too? Softening widening, deepening. I'd like to end with a a quote from something I like very much. It's from the late Carlo Rinpoche. Maybe probably lots of you know this already. I love it. That's why I want to bring it in. We live in the illusion and appearance of things. There is a reality. We are this reality. When you understand this, you know that you are nothing. In being nothing, you are everything. And that is all. like to offer that for your reflection. Maybe we should Oops. maybe we should have a short break. It is now almost quarter past eight. If we come back here in ten minutes. Find the chanting for this on page 27.
we'll do it fairly slowly. Just try to reflect on the some of the meanings that are evoked here. Some of them maybe don't mean anything or get to you. But generally, the thing with chanting is it's just a, a vehicle which you can add your own moods and emotions and, and aspirations to. It's just a, a truck, you know, like a resonant vehicle. And in that you put your own feelings and moods. And these are just some images that may spark off particular reflections in your own mind. Of course, the, the sense of it is to, you know, bring up that quality of offering, you know. So whatever skillfulness has been generated in this mind at this time, you know, let's bring that forth <laughs> and it overflows. So that's why we use the image of water, it's because it's kind of resonant and overflowing. It's a beautiful uh, conduit for blessedness. Resolve. 
The Buddha is my excellent refuge, protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble Lord. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, May darkness and delusion be dispelled. 